marketer's life can be difficult and lonely. Typically, most of a company's management will have the mentality of the air traffic controller with a love of the obvious. Whereas the marketer, like the military strategist, needs to be more like Kramer. He needs to have a fear of the obvious. Hello and welcome to episode three of the second series of Silence, Please. In this series, we'll be using topics from Rory Sutherland's book, Alchemy, to explore the relationship between creativity and behavioral science and advertising. The two mindsets don't always make for easy bedfellows, and departing from accepted logic can be risky. Remember that it's easier to get fired for being illogical than it is for being unimaginative. Though in many social or complex settings, being entirely predictable is hopeless. Yet all the same, we tend to fetishize logic. I'm Ollie Henderson from Silence Media, where we have a book club that meets up every now and then to discuss books about advertising. Our next book is Alchemy, The Surprising Power of Ideas That Don't Make Sense by Rory Sutherland. If you'd like to join us at Book Club, I'll give you the details at the end of the podcast. This episode is titled, Do We Value Logic Over Creativity? And my guest is Michaela Williams, Associate Director at Generation Media. In Alchemy, Rory succinctly tells us that logic should be a tool, not a rule. But as we're bombarded with more and more data, Michaela, is it inevitable that we place greater importance in logic over creativity? I think it's definitely important that we place more importance over um, creativity than logic. I think that although we have um, loads and loads of data available to us now more than ever, it's important that we creatively interpret the data rather than, um, I guess, how we've traditionally looked at data is potentially to tell us a story that we believe the data will tell us at the end um, or at the beginning even. So I think it's more and more important that we creatively interpret what the data is telling us I think that we have more data at our fingertips than we ever had before and data can potentially help us be able to understand what where users are or how they're spending their media time but it's important not to assume that from that data we can track individuals down in every single area where they might not want to be tracked it's important in showing them a good message um, at a place where they might not um, recognize the data to be there so I guess reaching people in the right place um, when they're available and wanting to receive data or your advertising message. And, and would you say that is a uniquely digital problem, that idea that you are trying to use data to tell a story about every interaction somebody has? I don't think we necessarily did that with television or we do that with television or print, do we? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's a digital thing. And I think it's because with the nature of digital and how it is as a media, um, you're, you're reaching people potentially at times when they don't want to receive your ad message. I think with the likes of cinema and with the likes of TV, as a media, audiences have accepted that they're gonna see advertising. In some areas or across the digital platform, individuals don't want um, to receive your ad messages. And I think that's why we have a big problem with you know ad blocking and things like that on, on digital because Although the data is there telling us the individual is there, it doesn't mean that they want to receive your message. Um, obviously, there are some places that they definitely understand it's going to be there and they accept that. For example, the likes of YouTube, you know, everybody knows that it's going to be potentially a 15-second ad that they might be able to skip at the beginning, but it's then understanding that when they're going onto a certain website, do they want a pop-up to come which has an advert on 
Michaela, I'm interested in the idea that there's a value in asking questions which might on the surface seem naive. Rory talks about the real value in that and um, suggests we shouldn't be afraid to ask these types of questions. What is the value of that for you and how, how can it help us arrive at good creative and strategic ideas? Yeah, I mean, I, re I really liked um, the example Rory gave in the book where he spoke about um, commuters and how you know individuals hate commuting on trains and everybody knows that, but the example he gave is you know, railway companies and underground companies should ask the question as to why do people hate commuting on trains? And it seems like it's a seemingly silly question because it's it's an obvious answer. But he's, he mentions in the book, by asking that question, you can find out how to change potentially trains. So, for example, do people hate traveling on trains because if you're standing up, you're going to pay the same price as somebody that gets to sit down? Or is it because there's no room to put your bags and you get keep getting bashed by a bag? So I think it's a really interesting concept that if you ask a silly question you could potentially get a seemingly silly question. You could potentially get an answer that's not logical and an answer that actually leads you down a different path. And I think um, we as advertisers need to do that more and more. I think in the industry that we work in or we live and breathe um, or is around us, we have permission to, I guess, ask the silly questions um, to find out the in-betweens. I think we need to um, question clients a little bit more when they give us a brief to kind of find out potentially is there an area that we haven't considered when we you know start to perform um, strategies or or kind of really understand where their brand should go and I think it it goes back to the fact that we work in a very traditional media like I mean toys and games anyway is a very traditional industry whether it be because of the types of products or toys we're, we're um, talking about or if it just the fact that traditionally toys and games advertising has always been very tv focused um, and so we've traditionally now now we're having to kind of look at where else we should be spending our time or money because we know that's where consumers are. Um, so yeah, so I think, I think it's in asking the city questions, you could potentially take your clients or, or the, the advertisers down a completely different route that hasn't been considered. So it is very important. So we talked a little bit about theory and a bit about process, but I think it's useful to put into context how a playful idea or certainly an idea which isn't rationally presenting facts can positively elicit a response from, from customers and from, from an audience. I'm interested to know if you've got an example of a campaign that's resonated with you in that way. Yeah, sure. Um, one campaign that comes to mind is in this year's Super Bowl. Um, there was an ad for Stellar Artois that featured Sarah Jessica Parker, um, and it was for their Pour It Forward campaign. Um, and essentially, she walks into a bar, um, and the waiter comes up to her and says, can I get you a Cosmopolitan? And she essentially says, no, I would like a cello artois. Um, and all you see is, I guess, all of the waiters and, and everyone in the, in the restaurant kind of stop and, and gasp. And, and then um, and they kind of all fall over themselves. And I thought it was really silly creative in the sense that, you know, the musicians stop playing and drop their, their violins. Um, and then it, the ad kind of ends with the line that says, um, changing can do a little good. So it obviously is playing on the idea that we, we know um, Carrie Bradshaw from... Sex in the City, we know that she loves, um, she basically made the Cosmopolitan drink. Um, so the fact that she'd go into a bar and ask for beer just seems like completely irrational and different, but, and silly in terms of everyone falling over themselves. But at the same time, it resonates and it was memorable. Um, and I think that today, a lot of advertisers want to play on getting a memorable ad that's maybe particularly out there and a bit different to kind of resonate with individuals and kind of provoke a response. 
sometimes they go too far with it and they, you know, have very controversial ads that shouldn't probably be on our on our screens or, or across digital, but it's still memorable. So is it doing the job um, in getting in front of audiences and making them speak about the brand? This brings us to the end of the episode. A huge thank you to Michaela for joining us today. I'd also like to thank Penguin Random House for providing us with extracts from the Alchemy audiobook. Our music is by Super Thriller. If you'd like to join us to discuss Alchemy, we're meeting on the afternoon of Thursday the 3rd of October at the Pembury Tavern in Hackney. Visit the Silence Media website for more details. And don't forget the first rule of book club, you don't have to read the book. In our next episode, we'll be discussing the idea of signalling and how relevant it remains in an era of hyper-targeted digital advertising. Goodbye.